If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 12-12. This is our number two of the World According to Zig podcast for this December 17th, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. And after um, a couple of weeks of uh, hiatus, we are very glad to have a special guest in this hour number two. She is Britt McHenry, and you may know her from a number of different uh, aspects of her career. She's probably most well-known as an ESPN sportscaster, although earlier this year she left ESPN during the layoffs there, although she's still under contract uh, with ESPN. But she's also now a regular on Fox News Channel as she's been transitioning a little bit away from sports and more into politics. She's a pro-Trump conservative, and since this week... We saw a lot of sports-related sexual harassment stories, including involving the NFL Network, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, and her old employer, ESPN. I thought it was a particularly good time to speak with her. I follow her on Twitter and find her opinions to be uh, interesting and, uh, especially in this realm, rather refreshing. So let's talk to her now. Rick McHenry, welcome to the John Ziegler Podcast. Thanks for having me. Britt, I'm really excited to speak to you for a number of reasons. There are a lot of things in the news that I think you can provide some unique perspectives on, uh, one of which is a story that has been pervasive this week within the realm of this, what I've been calling sexual harassment hysteria, which has really hit the sports world in a big way this week. There was uh, several guys from the NFL Network, both present and, and past, that were suspended. The owner of the Carolina Panthers uh, is now under mm-hmm. investigation. There's a big story out of ESPN, your former employer, where you're still under contract. And uh, I guess my first question in this realm is, does, what is your personal reaction, having been in this business and having lived it as a woman who, let's face it, many people uh, say uh, you know, very openly is a very attractive, blonde, young woman who might have experience in this realm? What is your perspective on what you saw happen this week? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, there's, there's a lot of other not-so-flattering things people say about me as well. But um, Well, by the way, is it okay to say that you're attractive? Is that still okay? <laughs> I'm offended. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just, um, I'm being. No. I'm, I'm asking seriously. Is that still okay? Well, it's a good question because uh, I woke up. I think most of, especially just Americans, really into politics and political TV coverage, and saw uh, the Chris Matthews story that came out. Mm-hmm. And I, to be honest, it's Sunday. There's football. I was enjoying a lot of things, so I wasn't really, really heavily uh, diving into it because. One, these stories just keep piling of these these new sexual harassment charges, and there's a new. It feels like there's a new famous guy every day. Mm-hmm. But also, when I was reading it, it just it seemed like maybe while a little crude or inappropriate, it was a lot of jokes being said or comments being mm-hmm. said. Right, Tw- um, twenty years and, ago. By the way, twenty years yeah, ago. Twenty years ago, and and so I'm certainly not the biggest Chris Matthews uh, viewer, right, or fan, but like politically and with ideology, but I sort of was sitting through it and I just didn't really see the I gotcha, let's get him fired. Right. You know, 
torch that people want to carry. And I could just say, being in a locker room, which was my career, really, for the most part, especially at ESPN, I was only in Bristol about six times. And, you know, I would fill in and host occasionally. But for the most part, I was in locker rooms where mm-hmm. you're one of maybe three women, mm-hmm. maybe five. Um, so you hear and see a lot of things. And you're, you just got to go in with blinders on. You're walking into a room where men are dressing themselves. So I think, like, I always just had a very thick skin to a lot of stuff because you're working in an extremely male-dominated industry and you're working with athletes, around athletes. Like, those were my coworkers. So I, I never really had anything that I felt was, was really terrible. But at the same time, like I said, I feel like to be a woman in, in sports broadcasting, there's a, a level of, I don't know what the word would be, but tolerance just because you're, you're around a lot of men. And there's a lot of jokes. And um, so I, I guess I, I might be a little bit different on that spectrum of not getting offended by every single thing. Well, I'll stop right there, because and I do want to get to the, the mm-hmm. sports-related stories that occurred this week. But you just said something very interesting to me. You don't believe you've ever had anything horrible happen in this realm to you, which to me, by the way, is uh, really uh, interesting, because if if somebody was going to be sexually harassed in this sports environment, there's a darn good chance you would have been in that category because you fit clearly the profile of a woman that would be sexually harassed if this was commonplace, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you, you accept that as a reality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, have I been hit on? Yes. Right. Has there ever has, – but has it crossed a line? And, I mean, that's happened quite frequently, to be honest with you, over the last – 10 years of sports broadcasting that I've had. When you say but it's been happening, it, hold on, when you say it's been happening quite frequently, getting asked out, being hit on, all of that? I mean, is that... Is that all of that, yeah. How many times yeah, do you... but ha- I wouldn't be alone. I, you know, I think that's probably the case for a lot of women, especially the younger ones coming up through, through the industry, mostly because you're around athletes that are 21 to... 29 for the most part. Right. right. um, It's important to point out, this is the atmosphere. You've got a lot of young men, all of whom are, uh, you know, souped up on testosterone uh, in a sports environment, all of whom consider themselves to be very attractive because Mm -hmm. because women have viewed them that way and because they're obviously all in physically very good shape. And then it's a situation where there's very few women so the, the mm-hmm. so the percentages are all off, you know, you know whatever, 90-something percent males to a few uh, women. And then those women happen to be there partially because they're physically attractive. I mean, let's face it, television chooses, especially women, based mm-hmm. in part on physical attractiveness. So isn't that kind of a recipe for, for that kind of thing to happen? Yeah, it's, it certainly makes for an interesting environment. I told one of my former colleagues I was surprised that the stories involving sports figures and, and sports television personalities are just now coming out because this whole Me Too movement really started when? Late September or October timeframe. So uh, I thought it, it would have come – stories would have come out a lot sooner. But I – if I ever felt like it was really uncomfortable, I would say something. Um, I never, again, I wasn't really in Bristol, though, so I can't speak to, I've had a lot of questions about my former employer, and I was always treated professionally, but I wasn't really there on campus that much. Right. Um, But I also think, to what you were saying, where I'm sort of like, let's take things case by case, is I have seen women, (laughs) because of all of the, the facts that you just, described in terms of the sports broadcasting environment i've used women use that to their advantage or perhaps cross lines or you know maybe didn't act as professional either so i i don't think we should look at this as a one gender type of offense as we try to clean up the corporate culture i think at times we we need to really take a full look at what's going on and give it some investigation before just blatantly firing people and and ruining reputations when you say that you've seen women try to take advantage of the atmosphere that you and I both agree exists in the sports world, what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Can you be more specific? Uh, just, I think that whenever something, for me personally, if, if I ever felt 
that I was getting any sort of advances that might make me feel uncomfortable and while flattering, I think for everyone, you know, it's just, if it ever hit a level I didn't think was necessarily that professional, I just would not engage. I, I wouldn't try to follow <laughs> with uh, a transaction request, you know? So I think sometimes uh, there have been, and I'm not going to get into details, but I have seen what it's like for men to get inside scoops in the NFL and transactions. And I've also seen some behavior of women doing that. And I, there's been a pattern with some individuals and, you know, let's, we'll just leave it there. I, I, again, I don't think you can just completely wipe out men and not take a look at some cases where it's consensual or whether, you know, it's affecting women as well. Let me me look at the representative, the, the woman who was running for Congress that was just, um, accused of that or settled a lawsuit. Right. Well, let, let me try to translate what you just said, because I understand you, you don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I also want yeah. people, but I also pe- want people to understand what you're saying, because uh-huh. I think I get it. So you, you tell me if I'm wrong. My, my translation of what you just said is this, that you have seen women use their sexuality and the fact that certain men might be attracted to them in order to get ahead in the business specifically, it seems like you're saying by being able to get access to interviews and or stories that they might not other be otherwise be able to do so. Is that a fair assessment of what you just said? Yes, I have seen instances of that. Yes. But I, with that said, I don't want something to be dragged out of context without the full statement being there. Right. There are a lot of very, very successful professional women in the industry. Stacey Dales is one of them. I've, I looked up to her. She's one of my good friends. Um, Linda Cohn was a great friend of mine who knows everything you could possibly know about hockey. There are a lot of stories of great women of in course. the industry. So of course. I, I don't want that to be taken out of <laughs> I get it. No, Britt, no, one, no, no, Britt, no one's going to blanket all women in sportscasting. Uh, but I think yeah. your experience – is really uh, important here because mm-hmm. you're speaking from a pretty unique perspective. You're speaking from someone who's been in it and who fits the the profile of somebody who might have been a target. And you know you're now kind of transitioning into more political uh, tele- mm-hmm. uh, stuff. So you're you're you know you're still in the business, but not quite in the same way as you were at the time. So I think that puts you in a fairly unique category. And therefore, what you have to say to me, at least. Is, is both interesting and important. And to that end, one last question on your own experiences with regard mm-hmm. to this. You said there was nothing that in your mind ever went over the line. I'm fascinated to know that in the mm-hmm. last few months, as you've seen allegation after allegation and you know, male celebrity after male celebrity go down, sometimes over things that, at least to me, didn't seem like that big a deal. Have, yeah. you, have you ever gone back through your experiences and gone, wait a minute, maybe that was more serious than I realized, and maybe I should complain about it. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, when it all started, I posted something on my social media about an incident that had happened when I was only 21 years old as an intern uh, at ABC News, and I was kissed on the lips without uh, consent or wanting that, and I distanced myself from that that individual who no longer works there, by the way. Um, and I, I, from my understanding, it m- might've been in pertain. It might've been bigger issues might've been going on in a similar fashion um, to what I experienced. So I had distanced myself and it was just such a, you know, you have to also k- keep in mind when women, when people say, why did it take so long? You know, a lot of times it's really embarrassing to yourself and you feel sort of gross. I did not situation. So when all the Me Too stories started coming out, I had pushed it so far back in my mind that I, because I didn't want to remember it, that it, it took a couple days, a couple weeks, you know, where I was like, wow, yeah, this did happen to me. And that, that was before sports, when I was only 21, mm-hmm. um, from a superior far older than me in age, mm-hmm. who I had considered a mentor and a friend. Mm-hmm. So I have had that happen. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things I could go back and sort of itemize, but I also caution doing too much of that because I think we might have a corporate culture where everyone's scared. You know, I have a lot of friends who are males and a lot of male colleagues that I don't want them to think, oh my gosh, can I not shoot her a text or is this going to be taken out of 
mm-hmm. context, you know? So I think right. that's sort of what we're starting to see now. And uh, I think, you know, you follow me. I, I tweeted that uh, general sentiment the other night, and a lot of people were sharing it and agreeing. I think we need to sort of completely not have floodgates wide open and mm-hmm. consider things by you say something that's take, taken out of context, does that mean a guy needs to be fired? Like, where's the line? Right, and I, I agree with that uh, 100%. But just one, uh, just more, one more clarification, though. Mm-hmm. So as, mm-hmm. based upon your experience of thinking back on your own experiences in light of the post-Harvey Weinstein era, do you mm-hmm. think that it's possible, because I'm going to make it clear that I think it's very possible, that some women are looking back on old circumstances where the men, let's face it, the human memory is hardly perfect and and are remembering things slightly differently than they actually happened because they've been influenced by all of this media coverage that we're we're bombarded with now on a daily basis. Do you think that's possible? Absolutely. I think you see this constantly on television, constantly on social media and Without even, if there's no motive involved, if you just sit back and sort of try to jot your memory of, well, hey, well, what's going on with, you know, in my past? Um, I think there is a a lot of that going on. But, you know, I I had a lot of people defending Al Franken. And this isn't a Republican or a Democratic thing. Mm -hmm. But I did not defend him at all when the video came out of him, you know, pretending to grope or groping the reporter, the Los Angeles reporter on the, the, the plane with him from a, a troops benefit. I thought that was severely inappropriate because this is photo evidence of, look, if I'm in on a joke, it's one thing. If you're unconscious, if you're sleeping, and I woke up to that and I saw those videos like that, or that, the photos oh. like that woman did, I would, be, I would feel really violated. Okay, hold on a making second. making fun of you. Britt, now, hold yeah. on, you probably don't know this, but I've mm-hmm. done a lot of research into the Franken story. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and I've written about this for USA Today and, and media. Mm-hmm. And it's quite possible that you don't even know some of the things I'm about to tell you. So, I'm, so, okay. so, so as a conservative, I'm fascinated to hear whether or not this changes your mind about any of this. Okay? Okay. okay. Here, here are the following facts <laughs> about, about this. That photo that Franken clearly is posing for, right? He's clearly, mm-hmm. clearly posing, and she's wearing a, a bulletproof vest and a jacket underneath that. And in, in my view, he's not even touching her, that this is just a stupid joke while he's not a senator. Here are, the, here are some interesting facts that, that you, you've not been told by the rest of the media. She was sent that photo immediately, immediately after that trip in a group of other photos from the trip, as if, ha-ha, thanks for the memories, Here's that photo, okay? She never says anything about this when he runs for Senate two months later, okay? And she's, mm-hmm. a, she's a conservative, by all accounts, yeah. at least she is now. Yeah. And here Al Franken is, a Democrat, running for Senate two months after this happens. In 2009, she attends in Washington, D.C., where she does not live, a, mm-hmm. U, a USO dinner to honor mm-hmm. Al Franken. At that dinner, she and Franken are photographed in a candid, not posed photograph, where they are clearly laughing with each other in close mm-hmm. proximity, like, hey, pal, good to see you again. Five, mm-hmm. year, five years after that USO event in 2006, which eventually causes Franken's, effectively, effectively causes his resignation, five years later, Tweeden, Leanne Tweeden, she tweets a photo from the night in question of her and Al Franken nostalgically talking about mm-hmm. how much has changed in the last five years since that happened. This is a, and, and let's be clear, you know this business very well. This is mm-hmm. a woman who, up until very recently, was a nude model who now is a supposed news anchor, but she's, you know, it's a morning radio show that nobody listens to here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. horrible ratings. She's brand new on this job. And she's a conservative who has uh, you know, been a guest on Sean Hannity's show and has uh, tweeted dozens of times at Donald Trump Jr. Uh, trying to get mm-hmm. on Celebrity Apprentice. This is a woman with an incentive, with a mm-hmm. motive to create attention for herself and her radio station, which is what, where this, this story was published without any vetting. Now, to mm-hmm. me, to me, the Tweeden story 
should never have been as widely reported as it was without any of the facts that I just mentioned being part of that. But because it was put out there by KABC's website, the original narrative didn't include any of that. And then once yeah. she once she becomes a she's a sanctified victim, then there's no criticizing her. Now, does any yeah. of that make you even go, okay, hmm, maybe we maybe we rushed a judgment on this? It does, but I, I can only speak from my my personal experience, my personal views of how I would feel. And if I had seen that photo, right, then. Which I think there would be reason to be upset about that, right? Sure. If there's a sure. joke going on about your body when you're asleep. Sure. Totally on board with that. Yep. Um, I would not be celebrating <laughs> that individual later on in life. No, I mean right. that 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 is right. You would not get. You would not go to a city where you don't live. Get all dressed up, uh, honoring him. Get up, go, go, get close to him. Laugh it up with him uh, in a candid situation, and and you wouldn't celebrate it five years later with no mention. And by the way, based upon the little I know about you, I'm guessing if that person ran for U.S. Senate from, from the uh, with a political perspective that's contrary to your own, that you would say nothing about this, e- even though you have a platform to be taken very seriously about that, right? I mean, none, none, none of that proves 100%. I get that it doesn't prove 100% that she's totally lying. But at the very least, it should have made people go, well, wait a minute, hold on. Let, let's pause here and not rush to judgment. Yeah, and uh, there was a story that went viral about Nick Carter, the, mm-hmm. fo- the former Backstreet Boys singer. I don't know. I think the Backstreet Boys are still doing some <laughs> music together. I'm not really sure, but so I don't know if you say former or current. But um, <laughs> it was about <laughs> it was about Nick Carter, and uh, this this woman alleged that he took her virginity and that he forced himself on her, and had this very detailed story. And then it came out later on in the same day after it was a Twitter moment, it was going viral, that she had like tweeted him a lot of times, like as recent as you know, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. saying, it's so good, like so happy for you, right. you know, something to that nature where, again, I don't know those experiences. I can't speak on that not being there. But if it was me and I felt in any way right. that I was being violated or had been assaulted, for, for heaven's sakes. I mean, you follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty feisty. I'm pretty open. Right. There is no way I would be congratulating that person later in life or associating and, with and, them and at by, all. And by the way, just so you know, Britt, the, the final nail in Franken's coffin mm-hmm. was put in there by a woman who, a liberal, who wrote a very extensive and just a very critical uh, article in The Atlantic where she uh, describes uh, Franken grabbing her waist, by the way, not even her butt, her waist during a, a very tight uh, selfie photograph. Well, mm-hmm. a, a, a three-minute search of her Twitter feed, which apparently The Atlantic never did, shows that throughout the year 2009, which is after this happened, it happened in January 2009, she's the biggest Al Franken fan there is, constantly. Yeah. Uh, so so they're, they're, to me... There's a lot going on here. I think I think people's memories play tricks on them, especially in this atmosphere. I think sometimes people are want to be part of the the circus. I think they like the attention. I think sometimes people want revenge. I think sometimes, by the way, and I'm curious as to whether or not you agree with this one based upon your experience in the mm-hmm. in the in the business. I think in the media business, which is you know a business which tends you know especially for women. Uh, you, you know, it tends to be uh, favoring young people that you're going to make it in your career when you're fairly young, your 20s, your 30s, maybe into your 40s. And then mm-hmm. if you don't make it, see, because to me, it's a, it's remarkable to me how many of these stories are coming out from people. Like, for instance, there's one this week about uh, you know a woman who had an affair with Matt Lauer at the age of 24. She was becoming mm-hmm. a, a, a news anchor. It's amazing to me how many of these stories are coming out now from people whose lives or careers didn't really work out the way they wanted to. And to mm-hmm. me, when you make an accusation from 20 years ago or 15, 20 years ago, it provides almost like a, a, a perfect excuse for why it yeah. didn't work out. You see what I'm saying? Well, well with um, I think there was a recent allegation from Jen Sturger, who modeled for Maximum mm-hmm. Playboy, really 
didn't have much of a sports career, was involved in a Brett Favre right. uh, alleged pictures. harassment scandal years ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, She came out, uh, again, when this all was really picking up steam, and said, had a very detailed account of she allegedly interviewed at ESPN in Charlotte at one point years mm-hmm. ago, and afterwards went out with a male worker to a strip club and, you know, sort of described it as she wasn't being taken seriously and it was all just, you know, to go out and party with these people. And so my question, though, is like, how are you in your mid-20s at that point thinking that going, or I believe it was mid-20s, she could have been a little younger, but I mean, at 16 years old, I would know, hey, if I'm going to interview for a job, it's probably not the best thing to go to a strip club after that. (laughs) Right. Right. Call me crazy. There's some professional decorum. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there are times you've got to really look at the full story, and that isn't to discredit anybody, but when people's livelihoods and reputations can be destroyed, mm-hmm. that I don't think we should just carte blanche grant that. Well, let's take a, speci- a look at a specific okay. situation that happened this week. ESPN, there was a, a, an allegation against uh, summits at ESPN by a woman who no longer works there, didn't really work mm-hmm. there for very long at all. In fact, I'm not even sure she was ever technically a full-time employee. Uh, and uh, and it reads to me, and I know you know the details a lot better than I do, but it read to me clearly as somebody who was trying to justify um, you know, why they, they effectively got let go and maybe looking for a payday out of it. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm curious what your reaction to that story was. When I, I saw it, um, I, I thought, okay, first of all, there has to be, in, at least in her mind or around the people closest to her, some validity to her if you're going to go through those avenues legally, right? Like, that's some money, that's time, that's, so that, I, I, you know, I took that into account, but when the full story was released by the Boston Globe, and I saw that John Bucciagrass' name was involved, I was really stunned, because he was a good friend of mine at the network, he's a very personable guy, he's, he's goofy, he, you know, after I had some ups and downs, he checked in, it was always very genuine to me, so it was surprising, and then I will give the company credit. They released the text messages that showed it to be at least seemingly very consensual. And, and some parts of that story where, you know, there was a hashtag long legs or something that when you see it, it looks kind of creepy. And then in context of the actual text conversations, he was referring to himself. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even, that, was a, that was a line that wasn't even referring to her. So mm-hmm. um, I think it was good that they sort of pushed back and, and stood by him and it shows obviously what they must think about him. And I would hope if they, they did that, that there's obviously been investigation into it. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how it plays out. Also this week, as I've already mentioned, there was a what seems to be a massive scandal at the NFL Network where several current and a couple former uh, and, and members of their commentary staff, I believe all of them except for one person was a former NFL player, one executive was involved, uh, who was also suspended from their current position. So a, lo- a bunch of suspensions, all because of a, a lawsuit that was amended uh, very recently by a former employee of the NFL Network here in Los Angeles. I've visited there a couple of times. I don't know if you have, but but mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I was, I'm very curious, Britt, when I read the allegations thereof, now, now she's claiming she has texts, and if she has texts, and they, they are as they are described, then they certainly appear to be at the very least inappropriate. But take putting aside the texts for just a second, because we don't know if we're 100% sure they exist, but let's, I, I, I want to put that aside for a second. The, the behavior that is described in this lawsuit did not in any way, shape, or form come close to the environment that I have ever experienced in my career in the media and specifically as a sportscaster or specifically having visited the NFL network or, or visiting ESPN. I know you've obviously worked for ESPN. Did mm-hmm. the allegations of, of the activities involved, which are really quite blatant and at times grotesque uh, for this uh, former wardrobe person at the NFL network, did they ring true to you as based upon what you know of the environment within a, um, the studio atmosphere of a, of a sports broadcasting entity? 
That is tough for me to answer because, again, like I said, I wasn't in Bristol that much. And when I was at ESPN's campus, I was always treated very professionally. So I, I can't say that I could see it from that perspective. However, uh, one of the names in it, and I'm going to leave that at that because um, I had a lot of people saying, well, name the name. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, listen, if I'm violated – if I really have something inappropriate happen, you you better believe <laughs> you right. follow me. You know I'm going to say something about it. If it's if I'm not a part of it, I'm. It's a lot of mess. It's, there's a lot of fires out there right now, and I don't need to get involved. However, again, working in sports, one of the names that was listed, former athlete, I said I wasn't surprised in the least bit. Now that doesn't mean I know all the ins and outs of that story. That doesn't mean you know I'm gonna start going on television programs talking about that. But it goes back to our earlier points of working around athletes in locker rooms. There are some that have behaviors that's, that's more testosterone ego driven than others. And it's, but that's, I, I wasn't surprised by one of the names. Okay. And I get that. that, Look, I have no doubt. I have zero doubt that uh, most of these guys and maybe everyone named in the NFL network story this week, uh, you know, can be very flirtatious and maybe looking to get, you know, uh, sexual uh, gratification in some sort of way. Obviously, I would presume in a consensual manner. I mean, that, mm-hmm. you know, that I think is pretty much natural based upon the personalities involved. So I have no doubt that there's some stuff that's on the line. But what I but what was described in this lawsuit, as you know, Britt, is so f- way beyond any comprehension of the line that I would <laughs> that my BS detector was going off. You, did your BS detector go off at all? Um, I you know I wasn't really surprised. I saw really? it, like I that's that sounds terrible, but I because of everything that's going on, you know, without even. The, the one thing, and I've said this on television recently, that's that's shocking is how not shocking all of these stories have become. Mm-hmm. So I had colleagues in the business and in sports TV send me the the lawsuit and ask what I thought and what you just did. Um, I didn't really get much much into it other than knowing one of the names from covering football and okay. and thinking that that maybe there was some validity at least to that extent wow i mean that's that's really surprising to me because based upon your own personal experience you've never had anybody ask you for oral sex in the middle of a, of a professional no, setting no. i mean no uh, so so i it just that to me just doesn't ring true now let me ask you this and this might be more controversial now, and I'm asking this very sincerely because as a guy, okay. as a as a guy, and I'm you know, look, I'm married, and you know, this is not even part of my world anymore. I mean, I, I'm I'm 50 years old, so I'm I'm trying to figure out what the rules are, right, mm-hmm. and, and what's appropriate and what's not. But I'm going to be very honest. When I read this lawsuit, part of what factored in here was that the the age of this woman, who's, who's an attractive woman, the age and her biography, the fact that she's got three children, to me, did not fit the profile of the type of woman that these type of guys, former NFL players, would be that explicit with in a professional environment. Was that an, is that appropriate for me to be thinking? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I might disagree with you a little bit because I just think that with a lot of these stories, I think we've seen – some of the the serious, like, wow, this was wrong, right? Mostly with the Harvey Weinstein and such. When some of the really serious allegations that have came forward um, were there was a lot of support to them as well and their validity. I I, I think if, if a guy really has that on the mind, I don't think age or profession is going to be some kind of barrier. Um, well, I don't care about or, a profession. I mean, just to me, it just didn't fit. Yeah. Like, like, let me let me just put it another way. If mm-hmm. if we found out that this, the woman involved was twenty four, no kids, and uh, and did nude modeling on the side or or stripping on the side, I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, <laughs> that makes a little more sense. Uh, but yeah, but I think in that environment, there's so few women who are there that it's it's not really like that. Okay. You know, I mean, if you go out to Redskins Park, 
and you're, you know, which I did many times in my career, and you're out all the way in Ashburn, you're 45 minutes away from D.C., which is where a lot of those players and coaches and such from the organization live. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty uh, suburban. I wouldn't even say it's suburban. It gets a little country in some parts. So, right. you know, they're leaving home. They're going to work. They're at the facility all day, 10 hours a day, right. if not more. Right. And there's only, you know, five women there. Right, but well, this is Los Angeles, Britt. <laughs> this is, the NFL Network is in Los Angeles. They can go yeah, outside. But, you know, they can go outside and, and fall into a model, literally. Well, well, that's well. That actually, I I think that kind of plays into when I read all, the Matt Lauer story, right? About how he was savvy enough to know that it, allegedly in the report, if he did that kind of behavior out in New York City, you know, he would be in page six. He would be outed. So there is. I think some credence to be, you know, and I'm not saying it's a logical credence, right. but saying to yourself, keep this in house. If it's here, it's not going to get out. If it's mm. here, it's not going to go on TMZ. I'm not going to be seen. Um, I don't think it's that far fetched. Okay. So I would disagree with you on that. All right, fair enough. That's why I asked the question. So, bottom, mm-hmm. before we move on to, to more political stuff, um, <laughs> yeah. bo- bottom line it for me, Britt, do, do you, are you in agreement that? In this pendulum, and everything in Mm -hmm. life is a pendulum, then in this pendulum, that we are in danger of the pendulum swinging too far in favor of accusers and accusations in this realm currently. Do you agree with that? I do, because I just automatically, and social media does this a lot. I would know, actually, for different reasons, but... People just demand you get fired. Like, it's the, you know, it's like the the Game of Thrones. You've had that happen to you. You got involved in a big controversy a couple years ago. Uh, Which now looks like child's play compared to everything we've seen in the last two years, right? Um, I agree with with that, actually. As I was going through it and and figuring out, do I even want to bother getting into this? I'm like, this Mm -hmm. seems like nothing (laughs) in comparison. Yeah, it's, and honestly, at the time, I thought, the whole thing was overblown. Overblown. It was something in my private life. It was a two-way heated argument. I, I mm. you ask any producer I've worked with, I, I've never had a problem or issue with the people I work with. Um, so you know, when things are distorted and just put out there, we have a tendency as a society to just jump on it. Mm. And I mean, I think the the not to get too off base, but the video of eleven-year-old Keaton Jones that went viral for bullying. You know, I raise some questions to that too i mean obviously i don't want to see an 11 year old crying but why was the mother filming the kid instead of consoling him why did the principal not know about this what you know all these questions i think i think we just want to share stuff and that is what i'm fearful of for a lot of these as these stories continue to come out because also too what if it's a consensual relationship (laughs) like one person gonna get fired and then the other is promoted and you know, the other one's blackballed for the rest of their life in, a, in an industry. So right. I, I do, I am a little cautious of, of what might happen with the pendulum. All right. So one of the things I find interesting about you, Britt, is that uh, you now you're kind of trans, I don't know if this is fair to say, but it appears that if you're transitioning uh, away from sports and more into politics, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're mm-hmm. on Fox News Channel quite a bit. Uh, you're uh, conservative. You're, you're pro-Trump uh, by and large. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things and that, that kind of dovetails with my own experience, uh, having started in television sportscasting and getting much more into politics as, as I got older, I, one of the things that always confused me as a sportscaster was I always knew that the news media was liberal, but it never made any sense to me why the sports media was so liberal. And in fact, in many ways, even more liberal than the news media, uh, because at least the news media, they at least sometimes, at least they used to, they had to pretend to be fair, while the sports media is incredibly politically correct, which mm-hmm. which I equate to being liberal. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you had a similar experience, and can you explain why that is? Yeah, I think I've had a lot of questions of, why I wanted to go in the direction I, I have gone. I've had sports TV offers, uh, uh, several of them, in fact, and I declined the past year or since I left ESPN uh, because I really want to find something that I believe in. And for me, 
I felt as though, you know, when the Colin Kaepernick debate was going, when, when he started his protests, and still to this day it's remarkable we continue to talk about that, even though he's not playing and mm-hmm. hasn't for an entire season. Right. Um, I would I would worked for a place, and I would turn on the TV as well when I was home, and I'd watch, and it just felt like everybody was supporting it. Everybody was backing it, and there was nobody on set to say, well, wait a minute, such as myself, like, I'm a daughter of a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, retired lieutenant colonel. Like, my experience on a tarmac watching him go to war, the first deployment to Iraq, crying, seeing five-year-old girls sobbing, gripping their father's legs. Like, for me, you stand for that anthem. So why was there at least not that perspective? And it just continued. I think the last two years there's been this huge shift and – you know, all the players want to be woke, right? Nobody wants to go to the White House. Again, even if you disagree with the president or it's not a personal fan favorite of yours, that's the highest office in the land. Why isn't there more respect towards that? I have deeply rooted conservative values, and so a big part of my desire to shift now is because I didn't want to be silent. And you know what? I get a lot of flack. I do. But I, I can have a media outlets. The Daily Mail slammed me the other day for something. They can attack me all they want. If I get messages from police officers saying thank you or, you know, just an average guy or girl in the Midwest and the South where I'm from, if they say, hey, I really like your opinion, thanks for speaking out on it and for us, then I feel good about that. Now, would you agree, though, that the sports media is exceedingly liberal in general, especially the TV sports media? Would yes. You, you, would, you would agree with that. Um, and, and were you surprised by that when you, when you were in the sports media? Yeah, because I think the shift was so dramatic. And maybe there was some naivety on my part, but I think this has really just happened in the last two years. Um, president Trump is, is obviously a different kind of president than we've had in terms of his Hollywood reach and the fights they have with him and his tweets about different sports. So it's all sort of blended now in a way that it might not have before. But, um, yeah, I've noticed that. Um, I took a picture with Paul Ryan a year ago at an event. I live in Washington, D.C., and the New York Times called about it the next day to write a story. I just don't understand, like, how was that a story? Mm-hmm. If I posed with, you know, a president, former President Obama, would they write anything? Probably not. I, I think that if you see a sportscaster who leans to the right, it's just there's just not many of them. I mean, Sage Steele is one. Bob Lee's a Republican. I'm clearly very vocal in my views, but compare that to everybody else. <laughs> There's just well, not you, many. Do you have a theory as to why? I don't know. You know, I respect Damian Woody a lot, former players, an analyst at ESPN. And one time recently he had tweeted, you know, don't be fooled by Clay Travis and Britt McHenry. It's all hustle. And I wrote him back and I said, Damian, I actually like following you because you are opinionated. But you spout off opinions every day, every hour. So why is it, if it's a right-leaning opinion, it's for some kind of motive or, you know, shtick or to get followers when liberals do that all the time? <laughs> like, why is it branded as such? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I think there is a space to, you know, think about the average sports fan. Like, I think there's a lot of moderate to right-leaning sports fans that feel they don't have something to like listen to right now. I couldn't agree with and, you more on this. I, I, I have thought for years that the greatest niche left in media is a right-leaning sports network. And I, I, yeah. I can't believe that Fox, you know, FS1 has not taken over that niche because you're right. There's a massive disparity between where the average sports fan is ideologically and politically and where mm-hmm. and where most of the sports media, and it's not just ESPN, it's it's everybody in the sports media yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm I've always been baffled by that. But getting back to why this is in the first place, I got a theory I want to put past you. Okay. Okay. Uh, my my theory is this, and uh, and it's it, there's a, as as with many things that are unexplainable, there's a number of things that go uh, into why it happens. Number one. Jobs in the sports media are, or at least good jobs, are incredibly scarce because mm-hmm. everybody wants to do it, right? I mean, everybody, every sports fan grows up 
uh, at least thinking, boy, wouldn't it be awesome to do that? So you got a supply and demand problem with regard to jobs. And, and I never thought it was not to interrupt. I never thought it was like that. To be honest with you, well, that's because you're but a very attractive last... woman who knows sports. You're in a different category, Britt. You're a, okay. you're a different species. <laughs> okay, you're a different but, species. Yeah. I'm ta- I'm a white male who uh, was, was not particularly good looking. Who um, was you know when I went for jobs, there was a thousand other resume. T- Tapes, okay, <laughs> and, and but no, but I, I think the market is shrinking now. I mean, definitely, you see with ESPN right. and what's happened in the past year. Okay. Um, I, I think that it's getting yeah. harder. Brit, I mean, Brit, so yes, there's Brit, truth to that. Britt, I hate to, to to break it to you, but not too many people get their first job. Uh, as a sportscaster in Washington, D.C. at the age that you did, and then almost immediately get promoted to ESPN. That's not the I'm normal, you. That's not the normal right career progression. No, and it's not, and it's not. But and I, I, at times in my past, I, I was definitely too over-defensive about this, but I want people to know that I, I graduated college early in three years. I immediately went to grad school. I was only right. 21 in grad school. And when I got my job, which you're right, there are there's a lot of luck and circumstances and who you know. I'm never going to deny that about TV. But I started shooting my own video, driving a beat-up Ford Focus, editing things, I'm putting not, stories together within two hours and covering local politics. And people don't really know that about my story either. Right. So. I'm, not, I'm not taking anything away from whether you deserved it or not. <laughs> I'm just telling you that I've never heard – <laughs> of, it is unusual of anybody else taking that career path and and let's yes. let's face it that happened largely because you're a very attractive female you i mean you would acknowledge that right i think there was a lot more to it because i didn't say there that was a lot it. of attractive female i didn't say that was it i said that that was a, an important part of the uh the equation here and i think and there's nothing wrong with that i mean but that's mm-hmm. that's the reality of the world and yeah, so, I mean it's a visual medium, so yeah, yeah I would okay. I would agree with that. Okay, all right. Anyway, back to my theory. So, mm-hmm. what what is it that can get somebody fired? I mean, you, so you have a deathly fear of being fired in in any business, mm-hmm. but but really in the sports business because jobs are so difficult. And if you're especially if, if you're a white male in the sports business, the, the easiest way to get fired is especially like in the realm of race because let's face it most prominent athletes happen to be African American so mm-hmm. so in the realm of that's the easiest way to get fired right so so through a, in a huge chunk of social issues there's nobody who's going to take a chance of losing their gig by by expressing anything other than the politically correct opinion you, you see mm-hmm. where I'm, you see where I'm going with that right i mean yeah, no, I'm like incredibly <laughs> stubborn, and so I, 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 you're absolutely right. I'm not of that category, but again, I'm also in a very unusual category right now. So right. no, and I didn't say you were. I'm I'm trying to explain the overall phenomenon, absolutely, of of, <laughs> of why it is that so much. Uh, you don't want to rock the boat, right? You do not want to rock the boat because that's how you get fired. That's how you get. If you mm-hmm. go outside the herd, you can get run over, and nobody's going to come to your defense. The other element of this, and this is going to be maybe more controversial, and I'll be—I'm curious to hear what you what you think of it. But I, in my experience over many years, having dealt with a lot of sports media people, in fact, some of the elite of the sports media, I don't consider these people to be particularly intelligent. I really don't. Uh, a lot of them were never properly trained. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they went into sports because they love sports, not because mm-hmm. they not because they love journalism. That just happens mm-hmm. to be how they got to stick around sports. And so these yeah. pe- and these people, so these people are not particularly intelligent or well trained to do sports journalism. What do you make of that? You know that that perception is very much real now. As I'm shifting into more political news and discussion. So there's validity to certainly what you think and what you just said. But at the same time, whether that's accurate or not, I have pointed to several people, and I would point to these people who are inspirations to mine because they crossed over. Think about some of the biggest names in news. They came from sports. Robin Roberts, Josh Elliott, um, whoa, 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 Brian whoa, whoa, Kilmeade. Whoa, hold on a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. i got to stop you with Josh Elliott. Okay. 
Josh Elliott. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, I clarify, I don't really know what he's up to these days. Yeah, but... he's, been, he's been fired from his last three jobs within like two <laughs> years. And I, and I happen to know uh, very intimately uh, because uh, he did an interview with the former president of Penn State, Graham Spanier, uh, who, I yeah. know, who I know very, very well. And I know, mm-hmm. the, I know the so-called Penn State case better than literally anybody on the planet, including, mm-hmm. including Jerry Sandusky. I know that the interview that Josh Elliott did was by far, there's not even a close second, the most disgraceful, uh, mm-hmm. repugnant, uh, ignorant interview that, I, that has ever been done in the history of major <laughs> sports media. And that Josh Elliott deserved everything he has gotten over the last several yeah. years. So let's, can we expunge Josh Elliott from we, your okay. list? Okay, yeah, you're no, it's, that's, that's fair. I, I, I guess fair initially I was, also, I was also factoring in exposure when he, he was on GMA and that there is Oh yeah, for 15 too. minutes he was a big deal and now, and now, <laughs> and now he's nothing. So, you know. Okay, we'll move on, we'll move on from that. But right. you know, Rob Kilmeade's a, a good friend of mine now, uh, written five books, everything he's doing, own radio show and his TV show as well, even if, there's someone listening who's not a particular particular viewer fan. He's done very well for himself. So there are stories of people. I covered news stories several times that just happen to be involved with, with athletes, Muhammad Ali's death, Ray Rice's domestic violence situation. So I think that there are examples of people who really can do both and perhaps could be even better in political discussion coming from that world. But to your, you're right. I mean, I think there, there's a lot of former players who just know one sport. They're not necessarily going to be writing novels anytime soon. Um, yeah, there's, there's some of that for sure. Now, you mentioned Brian uh, Kilmeade, so that's a good transition mm-hmm. to the, the, really the last major subject I want to discuss with you, which is you, you are a, a pro-Trump person. That's a fair assessment, yeah. right? I mean, you're, you're mm-hmm. pro-Trump, uh, therefore, shockingly, I know this is going to be shocking to a lot of people, that a pro-Trump uh, female uh, attractive uh, media personality uh, suddenly gets asked on Fox a lot. That's, that's shocking mm-hmm. to me that that happened the way, the way that it has. But you, you know, you're seen on Fox uh, pretty regularly now. And um, and, I, and I'm curious. So, how is it that you came to become? I know you've been a lifelong uh, conservative. How is it that mm-hmm. you, you you came to become a Trump supporter? Uh, so I was supportive uh, during, when he was running. I, I initially, I I leaned towards Marco Rubio. He's from my home state of Florida. I thought he would perform a little bit better on that stage, uh, along with Jeb, which we all know how that happened. Uh, you know, he's a, he was a Republican candidate. I remember one time I, I had a Make America Great hat again. I took with me to a country concert over the summer. I posted it, and within 10 minutes, going back to our discussion of sports media, I was told to take it down on Instagram. So clearly it's not necessarily the most PC thing to support Trump. I had some reservations right before the election. For me, and I think what happened to a lot of people with that race last year, is I was never going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Ever. And my core fundamental beliefs, one being lower taxes, which we're about to see with this tax reform uh, they're predicting on Tuesday to pass, uh, that is what I want and that's what his base wants. And when I covered a Bucks game last year, a month before the election, I drove home. Tampa is a two hour shot from my family home. And as I'm pulling into the development, it's all Trump Pence signs, like almost to the point where it's a little creepy, right? But they're lying. And I just saw what was going to happen so much more clearly than I think a lot of people in Washington and New York and coastal elites, because in, in, in places like where I grew up in a military town in the south, in the heartland of America, people want to see some of those core values come back. And that's what happened. All right. Um, there's so many things there like <laughs> I want to ask you about. Okay, his but- Twitter. We would we could take an entire new podcast. No, to but, that. Well, no, I, I look. I, I don't need to get into a big debate with you about Donald Trump mm-hmm. because, it, as you may or may not know, I, I am not a Trump supporter. Um, yeah. And and you know when you said you, you were disappointed with how Marco Rubio performed, I was going to ask you. Oh, oh, you mean the time during the debates when he bragged about his penis? That was a real mistake on his part. Um, oh, wait a minute. I'm <laughs> sorry. That was Donald Trump. Um, so uh, you know, I, I do think Trump got uh, evaluated on a completely different scale. Uh, mm-hmm. than, than, for instance, Rubio did. But let me ask you this. Let me, forget about the debate about whether Trump was the right way to go for, for a second. Mm-hmm. As a Trump supporter, 
I'm amazed by uh, how few Trump supporters are disappointed with what they have gotten in the first year. Because, uh, to me, he hasn't even tried to fulfill some of his major promises. Like, for instance, the wall isn't even discussed anymore. And yet that was his big selling point. To me, I've always viewed Donald Trump as a con man. And, And to me, the first year has been largely... And I'm, you know, let's see what happens with tax reform. But if you if you push aside that for a second, because it hasn't happened yet, it, it, the first year has basically been evidence of a con. And I'm just curious why you don't feel conned. I don't feel conned because tax reform is going to pass this week. Well, we and that is a big. Well, we, we it likely likely well, is too. And you know, I I just think that you know, yes, to a certain extent, you see a Republican led Congress, you see a Republican president elected, I think there, was, there certainly for me was a hope that there was going to be more cohesion. And I am disappointed that on that end, oh, clearly we could say there's been some disappointment, right? Start you with the Roy Moore Alabama election was just a complete debacle for the GOP. And how it even got to that level, Mitch McConnell getting involved, then the ego, egos of Steve Bannon and Donald Trump conflicting with each other. That's how we got there, and I think it's really disappointing to lose a state that just a year ago elected Trump by 28 percentage points. I mean, to, to have the reddest state in America arguably go Democrat just shows you where that once promise of the Republican majority could be slipping soon. Slipping? Um, slipping? How about off of a cliff? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I listen, I, I have a lot of friends in finance. They, they're traveling to China on a weekly basis. They said they love him over there. You know, as as non-PC as it was with but, Rocket Man at the UN, that did start new sanctions but, but, in Asia. But, but hold on a second. He campaigned running against China, saying that they were ripping us off. He was going to rip up all the trade deals with China and renegotiate them. Now he's their best buddy. He hasn't done any of that. Well, look, the wall was never something personal. This isn't the wall. Me. I'm talking about China. I'm talking about China. I know, I know, I know. But when we, you didn't mention the wall, and I'll say it wasn't something that was a big deal for me personally. I know it was for his base. With China, you know, yeah, there are moments where he'll say something that can be contradictory on the surface. But I do <laughs> think there have been efforts to improve things. And I also, look, if it was Hillary elected, the situation we're in with Kim Jong-un and North Korea traces back to different administrations, both Republican and Democrat, to, and honestly to Bill Clinton, and enabling that nuclear, that, that deal to happen. So I, I would tell my friends who would really start going in on Trump, that's something awful to inherit for whoever, either of them who became president. So I think that also changed things when the threats ramped up, but... Um, you know, look, I support having more of a heavy hand with the country that continually threatens us. So even if he was going against China when he was campaigning, things have definitely changed a notch with how North Korea has been behaving. Well, let me ask you this. You've already alluded to probably it. like one. No, no, no. Hate me now. no, 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 Britt, I, I, I actually think that you are um, a, a lot smarter and more open minded than a lot of. Uh, you know, similar um, commentators who are pro-Trump. <laughs> like, for instance, yeah. like, for instance, a lot of people like to now compare you to Tommy Lahren. Uh, yeah. uh, do you like that comparison or what, what do you make of that comparison to Tommy Lahren? You know, she's very young. What, she's 25. She, she, she has her um, angle. She's been very successful at it. But when I've had people tell me that, I actually say, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm, I'm not Tommy because... You know, I'm not that dedicated, and I'm not going to be wearing MAGA gear all the time. I, I want to look at things. I know, and that's I don't need it as an insult, but I have a journalist side to me, and and even though I'm wanting to make a shift into more discussion to to uh, this podcast, more opinion punditry, I still want to apply the journalism that I have. And you know, for example, when I went on with her, we talked about Elizabeth Warren on a show recently, and it was critical for me to sit back before I went on the show and think, okay, let's just stop with the name calling. What is it with this Native American heritage of Elizabeth Warren? So I looked into it, found out that at best, one genealogist found she's 132nd American Indian and went on air with that and and stated my opinion, which was right-leaning about her. 
But I want to, even if you disagree with me vehemently, I want to have some journalism behind it. And I'm not necessarily, like, I can see points you're making. Mm. And I think that's where a better political discussion is, is to sort of have a more nuanced conversation instead of labeling people horrible leftists or Trump idiots. You know, I mean, that shouldn't be happening, but it does, unfortunately. I I agree with you 100%, Britt, but you do realize that that's not the way to get clicks right away. (laughs) You do understand Well, you know, and my friends point that out to me. Because I, I get asked, too, from a lot of people, are you just doing this because now you're gaining a lot of, follow, gaining a lot of followers and, and attention? Are you doing this for a shtick? And I, I can tell you unequivocally, everything I put out in terms of political opinions is what I believe. Now, on a social media 280-character limit, yeah, some things are a little bit more heated. But if I go on to a show, uh, I will get passionate, but I want to at least be able to see some parts of the other side. Wait a minute. Hold on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit stunned here. Are you saying <laughs> that there are people who go on television as commentators and who do shtick? Does that, does that actually <laughs> happen? <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot of passion, right, on across the board for contributors. I've gone on with a lot of passion. On no, well, hold on a second. Are you, are you saying that there are people who do shtick? No. Oh, no. oh, Fred. You know, oh, I thought you were going to come clean there because there's absolutely, I'll do it for you. There's lots of people doing shtick. And if you're not I'm doing. I'm not taking the bait on that one. <laughs> if, if you're one of those people that doesn't do shtick, then more power to you. And it's fine that you're supporting Trump. But let me just give let you in on a, a little secret here. Uh, and this is how we'll end things. And I'll let you have the final word. But here's what's mm-hmm. going to happen here. Um, by By this time next year. The Democrats are going to control probably both houses of Congress. And the Donald Trump that you're going to see uh, as he tries to avoid impeachment is not going to be any semblance of the Donald Trump that you uh, supported during the campaign. And and the price that we are all going to pay for this in the long run, this little temper tantrum that we had against the establishment, is going to be a very, very heavy one. So, but is that sentiment really going away? I think that the 63 million people who turned out for him, whether it's Trump or not, I still believe that there are conservative core values in this country that need a platform and a voice for. And well, but that wait a minute, hold on. First of all, that 63 million was less than what Hillary got, and she was the worst candidate in the history of the modern history of American politics. Uh, that's number one. Number two, since that time, uh, Trump's approval rating is now at 37 percent. Just today, there was a poll out that for the first time in recent history, 50 percent of the public wants Democrats to control Congress. 50 percent. Okay, but, but you know what? There is, there is a huge anti-Trump narrative, and it's not a narrative all the time because there are things fairly to criticize, but the media attacks him, in my opinion, more than any other president, and yep. it gets clicks. Like, don't be fooled. You know that right. that gets clicks, that yep. gets retweets. That's, yep. that's a game. Yep. So I, where I see some things... You know, people think I just I'm, I'm adamantly always defending Trump and some of the names that, you, you know, you brought up in terms of whether I'm like them. No, I I would love a space to kind of also point things out I, I don't agree with. But I don't want this. Let's see the country burn because we don't personally like this man. Like, I don't want to have to to see journalists be discredited because there's such a rush to indict the Trump family. And that has happened. You can't argue it hasn't. With ABC, Brian, Brian Ross report, uh, CNN's report a week ago, that has been going on. So we need to kind of check ourselves as well and say, at the end of the day, no matter what happens for the next three years, he is in office. That is our president. And let's not let any disdain from the Democrats stain what could happen positively for the country and also you mentioned the house and democrats taking control of it and congress let's not forget representative john conyers and some of the other stories they have coming out too there's been a lot of swamp drain needed for both republicans and democrats on the hill for misbehavior and i think people need to consider that as well 
Well, Britt, uh, hopefully we'll talk about this in a year, and uh, we, can, we can we can evaluate uh, where we were and where we are. I'm nervous what your headline's going to be about me. No, no. Well, well Britt, no. Too mean. no. In all seriousness, Britt, uh, this was a, a really uh, fun and interesting conversation. So I thank you for your time on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, let's keep in touch, all right? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That's uh, Britt McHenry, a former ESPN sportscaster, now a regular on Fox News Channel. Uh, with uh, a lot of interesting opinions on a lot of very uh, recent, relevant, and important news topics. Uh, So make sure uh, that um, you check all that interview out if you have not done so already. And um, and hopefully uh, Mediate will have fun with this uh, when they do their uh, normal story on our interview segment of uh, this edition of the World According to Zig podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you check out hour number one, which is my news analysis hour of the podcast. And as always, I ask only two things of you. Uh, number one, if uh, you can do so, if you like what you've just heard, please share this via social media, Twitter, Facebook, or what have you, or via word of mouth. And number two, do yourself a favor. And if you're one of those people who sleeps, and when you sleep, you use sheets, pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.